The scripture this morning is from the 13th chapter of Luke. Now Jesus was teaching in one of the synagogues on the Sabbath, and just then there appeared a woman with a spirit that had crippled her for 18 years. She was bent over and was quite unable to stand upright, up straight. When Jesus saw her, he called her over and said, Woman, you are set free from your ailment. When he laid his hands on her, immediately she stood up straight and began praising God. But the leader of the synagogue, indignant because Jesus had cured on the Sabbath, kept saying to the crowd, There are six days on which work ought to be done. Come on those days and be cured and not on the Sabbath day. But the Lord answered him and said, You hypocrites! Does not each of you on the Sabbath untie his ox or his donkey from the manger and lead it away to give it water? And ought not this woman, a daughter of Abraham, whom Satan bound for eighteen long years, be set free from this bondage on the Sabbath day? When he said this, all his opponents were put to shame, and the entire crowd was rejoicing at the wonderful things that he was doing. The Gospel of the Lord. Brian, you may be seated. Let's pray. God, we pray for your spirit. You always promise that when your story is proclaimed, that the Spirit will come. And so send that Spirit into our heart and to the heart of our community as we trust in you. In Jesus' name, amen. Out of all the jobs in the world, being a pastor is the worst. <laughs> Spoke a young voice in my house. I inquired, tell me more. Well, you have to wear a robe and chant and pray in front of people, and you spend way too much time writing and delivering sermons that are really boring. <laughs> and you go to a lot of meetings, and you have to work on Christmas Eve, and you always talk to people I don't know. <laughs> yep, I said all those things are true. There's a lot of difficult things about being a working mom, and it's important to talk about them. I never try to make it better for my kids. In the midst of these conversations, I like to keep telling them, there are two things that I know I am called to do. I'm called to be a mom to you and to be a pastor. And I hope that someday you will find work and other things that you are called to do too. Because if you're meant to do something, you will find a way to do it, and it will bring joy to the world. Now, I know I have shared this story before with you. Uh, my mom found the church bulletin the day I was baptized, April 27, 1969. There on the front cover, a sketch of a man in the pulpit with the words, the church calls pastors through people like you. My parents bent over the font that morning as water was poured on my head. 
Beth, Eileen, Wilkie, I baptize you in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. And the congregation of Augustana Lutheran Church in West St. Paul, Minnesota, made a promise that they would know and celebrate my call in the world and that God would always be with me as I figured this out. There was a guest preacher that day from the Synod who was casting a vision for the larger church, and my mom tells me that he said in his sermon, someday will there be a place for Beth in the church. Way to go, bold Synod leader, because women at that time could not be ordained, but that did not stop him from speaking into what could be and it didn't stop God from holding on to a possibility that something was planted in my heart that day, something new and unexpected that would emerge some 38 years later. The ELCA at its churchwide assembly just a couple weeks ago celebrated the 50th anniversary of women being ordained in the church. As of 2016, there were 86 women senior pastors compared to 456 men. Way to go, Moan Olivet. <laughs> we live in a fairly progressive city and community, yet there's still differing expectations and challenges of being a woman leader in the church. My daughter Caroline was born a week before I started my senior year of seminary. I was preparing for my final approval to be a candidate for ordination, and one of my trusted mentors said to me, maybe you should think of a part-time call, Beth. You know, having a baby and being a pastor is a lot to handle. Not to be snarky, but I wonder if he would have said the same thing to a man in a similar situation. My friend and colleague was at the churchwide assembly and she sent me a text. It said, Beth, I've never been in a vestry with all women. We were all put, putting on albs and stoles that people like us long ago were forbidden to wear. When we lined up, there were so many selfies, so many tears, so much laughter. I stood next to a friend that was part of the first generation of clergy women. She still couldn't believe her eyes all these years later. The women bishops led us, and they actually started dancing, so we all did too. We, tacit we tacitly acknowledge the pain that still accompanies being a woman church, a woman leader in the church, but for a brief moment that fell away, and we caught a glimpse of a world that God envisioned, a world that is always being made new. The story today, which is only found in the Gospel of Luke, I always take pause when a story is in only one gospel. The writer must have been adamant that this story be included. There's something unique and important nestled here that tells of God's kingdom, one that must be told and heard. So here this woman is in the synagogue and she has a physical ailment. She is bent over, bent down, so she can only look at the ground below her. Take a minute where you're sitting and look down at what is directly beneath you. That is the only place she can see. Imagine being only able to see that view for 18 years. 
the rest of the world moves by and you can't even see or experience it. You're limited to everything waist down. You see the trunks and the roots of trees, but not the branches and leaves. You see a shadow, but not the sun. As kids grow, you see their legs, but you miss their faces. You hear words, but you can't see the expressions. Yet the woman is still at the synagogue worshiping and just happens to be there the day that Jesus is teaching. Luke tells us Jesus sees her. Jesus must have been looking with intent because she would easily be lost in a crowd. She never asked to be healed. Jesus comes and proclaims and said, woman, be set free. And then he touches her and she stands up straight and begins to praise God. Her first response to healing is to praise, to acknowledge the holy around her and be joined in community. To see faces now, the sun, the altar, this posture of life and openness. What has limited her before is no longer. She and the world see a new perspective. The leader of the synagogue is not so inspired. He had tried to ignore her and to wag his finger at Jesus, saying, now is not the time to heal or call her, to lift her from the place where she has been. The leader held tight onto church rules and requirements. We don't do it this way. This is not the way it has always been. But Jesus said, no. The Sabbath is given for life, and nothing can stop someone from being called or healed from the thing that they are meant to do. The kingdom of God is already here among you. It cannot be held back. I choose to believe that this woman was the first female pastor. That on that Sabbath day thousands of years ago, Jesus saw and knew that she was meant to look at that leader of the temple eye to eye and praise God. Of course, this took many years to unfold, the kingdom growing and spreading forth from a tiny seed. But that is what happened when the word made flesh comes into this world. Visions become true. People are changed and called. Bodies become upright to lead and voices to speak. <clears throat> and the world gets reshuffled and recreated. It's a miracle but not everyone is so ready to receive it. There's a call for us at Mount Olivet, and it's to embody this story, to live with this posture of life and to look for pieces and people and places that are held down, limited to a smaller sight line. They have a call, and we need to hear what they have to say to open up a new way to see the blind spots that we are missing. I'm leading a prayer group this fall on the examine prayer, an ancient prayer that helps notice God in everyday life. And I'm intentionally convening this group outside by the labyrinth on our grounds as weather permits, 
or if the weather is not so good, we're going to meet in the chapel. Because I know there's people in this community who may not want to meet in a big church building they are not familiar with. My dream, my hope someday is to convene in more public places for people who are on a spiritual journey seeking space to have a place to find others who are also seeking the same and to trust that when God enters that space, something new is being created. Maybe it's a call for someone to share a story that needs to be told or heard or for us to meet each other along this way of life. This last Thursday, we noticed a car in the back parking lot by the dumpster. There was a woman in the back seat, and there was a concern to make sure she was okay. Come to find out she was homeless, taking time after work to stretch out in the back seat to catch up on Netflix and relax a bit. She was desiring a safe place to park to be comfortable, and it was our church parking lot. We should wonder about this. How do we make our Mount Olivet an accessible place for all people, wherever they are? And I know there may be voices among us that say, but if we do this, then what? Yet Jesus sees, and through God's mercy, sets us free and gives us eyes to see how he sees, to empower and equip people to find their callings, to stand up straight and praise God. Amen.